Listener Production. Your Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Friday, the 28th of May. Millions of Victorians are again back in lockdown as contact tracers desperately try and contain the latest COVID outbreak. The cluster grew to 26 yesterday with 11 new cases recorded, with health authorities admitting this Indian variant of the virus is the most contagious they've seen. Victorian residents are now only allowed to leave home for five essential reasons for the next seven days, with schools, most retail businesses and pubs closed. 10,000 primary and secondary contacts have been linked to the cases with more than 150 exposure sites. The state's acting premier, James Molino, has taken aim at Canberra's delayed vaccine rollout, claiming it's played a part in this latest lockdown. The vaccine rollout is not where we hoped it would be. It's not where it should be. And if more people were vaccinated, uh, we might be facing a very different set of circumstances than we are today. But sadly, we are not. But speaking on the 7.30 report overnight, Federal Health Minister Greg Hunt maintains the federal government's vaccination program is on track with half a million already fully vaccinated. Uh, At this point, we've had uh, about uh, 500,000. And that's out of a uh, vaccination population of 3.9 million. And the reason is very simple. Uh, The AstraZeneca vaccine is a 12-week period between first and second doses, and that's been the primary vaccine in Australia. The health minister also admitted the residents of 74 aged care homes across the country are still waiting to be vaccinated. Just hours before the Victorian lockdown kicked in, the first repatriation flight from India to Melbourne arrived. About 150 people were on board the Qantas flight and all returned negative COVID results. Another flight from COVID-ravaged India arrived in Sydney earlier this week. It comes as the AMA has renewed its calls to overhaul the nation's hotel quarantine system. Vice President Dr Chris Moy has told the ABC it needs to be taken out of our city centres. We need to shore them up as much as we can now, but in the medium term, we do need to find longer-term solutions, which include places like Howard Springs and those models, which will take it away from the CBD and, and the risks that they pose. And Victoria's hospitality and retail sectors are set to bear the brunt of the latest lockdown with no government support. It's the first Australian lockdown without the JobKeeper payment, which ended almost two months ago. ACTU President Michelle O'Neill says the job security of thousands is being put at risk. This will be really tough for Victorian businesses and it shows that the end of JobKeeper was premature. We were always concerned that there were businesses and workers that were still doing it really tough. And now this lockdown leaves thousands of people with no income. And we'll have more on the lockdown and its impact on the economy coming up shortly in Business and Finance. Now let's check what's happening in your state with our reporters on the ground and we stay in Victoria and in the wake of the latest outbreak, the state has expanded its COVID vaccine rollout. 
everyone aged 40 and over is now eligible to line up for their shot. Our reporter James Lake is in Melbourne and says it's possible the eligibility criteria could be revised again within days. Yeah, that's the suggestion we're hearing from Canberra Tash. Federal Chief Medical Officer Paul Kelly said yesterday they would consider holding back second doses of the Pfizer vaccine and just focus on getting the first doses into every younger adult. That would fast-track shots for everyone under the age of 50. The World Health Organization says we need to go one step further as well and specifically be vaccinating everyone in their 20s as they are the main transmitters of the virus. And to New South Wales, the removal of warning signs for mobile speed cameras will now be the subject of a parliamentary inquiry. The inquiry will be taking submissions from the public and has been backed by MPs across party lines. Since the warning signs were removed, fines have skyrocketed. Our reporter Siobhan Caulfield has the latest from Sydney. Tash, the Joint Standing Committee on Road Safety will look at whether removing the signs was warranted, as well as the impact it's having on drivers and whether it is making our roads safer. There's been a massive spike in fines since the signs were removed, almost $24 million worth dished out since the changes, which also includes increased enforcement hours. The public is also being asked to make submissions. You've got up until July 9 to have your say. Now for the latest in business and finance news this Friday morning, we're joined by Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. Scott, good morning. As we know, Victoria is now entering its fourth lockdown since the pandemic began. How is it set to affect the state's economy there in Victoria and also the wider outlook? Yeah, Tash, good morning. The poor buggers. I mean... (laughs) You know, the, the, the concentration of lockdowns has just been more than any state should really have to bear, quite honestly. Economically, look, the good news is, I, I guess, we've kind of been there, done that. And so to some degree, the panic or the concern that otherwise would be felt by this sort of thing, and if you remember the first time around, of course, it was a huge deal. Not this one isn't, but it's less likely to have a big impact because... A, we kind of know what we're doing, and B, we're kind of used to it. And so the things that we might have worried about or done differently, most people will simply see their way through it. Now, we may need extra support for some businesses, in particular hospitality in cities in particular, are just going to have another huge hit. The regions have kind of bounced back reasonably well from the COVID lockdowns, but the CBD is still struggling with people not yet returning to work. And you've got to fear not just this week, but in the weeks to come, those sort of businesses are really going to struggle to get customers back and they're going to need extra support. Yeah, let's hope they get that financial support they so desperately need. Also today, Scott, global energy giants are being forced to make some big changes in the name of the environment. So, Tash, this is remarkable. This is one of those stories where, regardless of your, your philosophical or political perspective, these things are happening and we need to know them. Royal Dutch Shell in Europe has been told by a court, actually, they were taken to court to make changes because of climate change. They want them to get to uh, net zero more quickly and move away from oil more quickly. And the court is basically going to make them do exactly that, saying that the, the decisions they've made aren't sufficient to actually meet the challenge and therefore not in the interest of shareholders, which is funny. The, the ExxonMobil story, of course, in the US, across the other side of the ocean, they've basically had a, a hedge fund who is activating for, uh, activism, activizing for climate change. <laughs> uh, is, whatever the word is there. Uh, is, uh, there you go. Um, trying try to, yeah, trying to create change for, for climate change. Has got two directors appointed to the board of one of the largest oil companies in the world, basically specifically to try and make them change, again, their policies to take action on climate change. So two big changes, two of the big storied, historic you know, oil, oil company names that really will have a huge impact on the way they do business moving forward and hopefully, for those of us who know that climate change is real, on the environment. 
Yeah, long needed. That's great news, Scott. And also, I love this story, a bit of Friday fun. A bit of a trade deal with the UK is set to go ahead, and there's lots of winners, especially if you love gin and scotch. <laughs> That's right. And who, who doesn't come on touch? Exactly. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's just in time for the weekend, too. Look, the Bentleys are now cheaper because the, the tariffs on cars will be removed. You and I may not be buying a Bentley anytime soon, but we're going to have to, well... At least drown our sorrows with it, with a bit of scotch or gin that's a little bit cheaper than it might have been. Tariffs on those two also looking to come off, hopefully, if this deal gets done. And hey, who doesn't like a, a couple of dollars saving on a, on a nice bottle of gin or scotch? Every dollar counts. Thanks so much, Scott. Happy Friday. Thanks, Dave. Time for sport now with Brett Thomas and Brett. The AFL remains confident tonight's Demons and Dogs blockbuster will go ahead despite the ongoing COVID crisis in Victoria. Yes, good morning, Tash. A level of comfort is the quote from AFL Chief Gillan McLaughlin. Uh, the Demons were sent into quarantine yesterday. That's after a player had visited a Tier 1 exposure site last Sunday. So uh, Gil McLaughlin expects that they will be cleared by this morning when those results come back. Fingers crossed they are negative. This is a massive game. We've got one and two in the AFL facing off at Marvel Stadium. No crowds tonight. Former AFL champ Lee Montagna hopes that it doesn't take the shine off the match. You're right. Not too often you get yeah. teams, particularly clearly one and two. Like these two teams are two games ahead of third yeah. in the yeah. competition. So it's going to be a, a great game to see who is who's the big dog in town. Who is the the number one team in the comp? Speaking of big dogs, Tim English is the Bulldogs ruckman. He's back after four weeks out with concussion. Christian Salem returns to the D's defence. They're talking about uh, potentially mini hubs as well. The AFL looking at that at the moment. The dream time at the G Clash next week, which is normally at the MCG Tigers and Bombers, that could be moved to Perth. So a lot of moving pieces in the AFL right now, Tash. Indeed, in the storm, thrashed the Broncos last night, but they may face a fight to retain a rising star, Brett. Yes, Nico Hines has thrived at fullback with Ryan Pappenhausen out, Cam Munster missing as well, but no issues for the Storm last night. Their ninth win in a row belted the Broncos 40 points to 12. Now, the Broncos are chasing Nico Hines hard. Obviously, uh, his current coach, Craig Bellamy, uh, really wants to hold on to him. You know, Nico decides what's really important for him, you know, in, in life, but also in his footy life at, at, at the moment. But we're as keen as mustard to, to hang on to him if we can. Indigenous round continues tonight. We've got the Tigers against the Dragons, both coming off losses before the unbeaten Panthers host the Bulldogs. And Brett now to Jack DeBellin. He's been cleared to play and now St George wants a review of the NRL's no-fault stand-down policy. Yes, uh, its chairman, Andrew Gordon, wants that policy to be at least looked at or potentially overhauled. As he said, Jack DeBellin cleared to return to the field, though sexual assault charges have been dropped. Prosecutor opting not to pursue a third trial. The Dragons have shelled out more than a million dollars while he has been suspended. But the NRL's chief, uh, Andrew Abdo, says that the rule has worked. Um, While it's protected the game, it's also enabled DeBellin to earn a living. Here's his teammate, Josh Kerr, who says that he's played a big role in helping his career. me personally, Jack actually had a lot to do with me when I came into the club. He was, you know, very welcoming, helped me so much to become a better footballer, the kind of guy that he was away from football. I'm personally very happy. I know all the boys are in the group chat. Looks like he'll return to reserve grade this weekend. It's been a, a long time since we've seen Jack DeBellin on the field, Tash. Yes, big weekend again in sport. Brett, thank you. Thanks, Tash. 
And while some Australians are really struggling through COVID, others are seeing their profits soar. Gina Reinhart has once again been named the richest person in Australia with a net worth of more than $31 billion. The mining magnate saw her personal wealth grow by more than $2 billion in just six months because of soaring commodity prices. Second on the list, with a personal net worth of more than $27 billion, was Andrew Twiggy Forrest. And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. You can also find the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the new listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great weekend. Take care. And we'll see you bright and early on Monday morning. Listener.